RPBR is brought to you by Mystical Throne Entertainment, publisher of Shadowed Earth and the Entropic Gaming System. Check out our selection of licensed material for Savage Worlds, Legend, Colonial Gothic, and Dark Streets, along with our titles from development. Uh, to find out more, visit mysticalthrone-ent.com. Mystical Throne Entertainment, bringing new worlds to your tabletop. Hey, this is Ross Baden with Roleplaying Public Radio, and this is RPBR episode 120, Talking It Out. Uh, we're going to be talking about party banter and dynamics. Uh, that is to say, inter-player roleplaying, talking to each other instead of to the NPC. So it's so, about all of us fighting constantly. Uh, yes. <laughs> what I'm hearing here is you didn't do any NPCs with funny voices, so we have to talk to ourselves now. Yes. Yeah, do. dude, yeah. Ross, come on. Like, you got to help us out. Give us Balgrin or go home. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, so, uh, well, this has been inspired by some of our more recent games, uh, Atomic Robo and Dress and File, which have a lot of banter. Yeah, they are uh, quite, yes, they are quite banterful. Yes, <laughs> banterful, that's a word I now. just made that up. You did. It is now a word. It, it apparently is. Uh, so, uh, first off, as you know, RPR is a sponsor now, uh, Mystical Throne Entertainment, so go check out their website. Uh, they'll be giving us a coupon code for next episode, so, ooh, ooh check so it you out. go there. Yes. You go now. <laughs> you go. go. podcast now. <laughs> and then come back and listen to us, because, you know, we, we need you. Yeah, yeah, you can, please, you can listen to this so while you go to their website. We need, come on, actually, we need you, baby. We we're multitasking. We're yes, lonely on a Saturday do. night. Okay, please. wow. Another um, RPR news, Sparkles the Unicorn for Base Raiders is now available as a PDF supplement. Somewhere in the distance, Caleb cringes. Yeah. Uh, cringes? You can get more than more just screams. the tip uh, this time. So. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, you can words. get them as a hero or as a villain. Uh, and also, Both there are new, work new well. items. There's uh, also in our actual play now, The Wild Hunt, uh, on the actual play site that has sparkles, uh, features the scenario seed featured in the PDF. Uh, also, has hints of some of the. Our, we're going to have a bunch of uh, supplements coming out this year, uh, including ones written by other people. People, I'm not doing it all. Yay. Yeah, I've yeah. got some, and it's going to be great. Uh, yeah. Well, this the fr- was Ross's empire begun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I have a, well, the Patreon. And by the way, you, you know the greatest yeah. thing about, about Sparkles Ross. What what? It's when he's actually morally right in his argument. <laughs> yeah, you guys were jerks. I was not. You know what? We'll <laughs> and get into now an argument come the later. justifications. Yeah. Uh, we'll get so, into that later, but we'll, we'll do that. Yes. Uh, so the, this this episode again was inspired by uh, the the some of the fake games we've been playing recently, campaigns, uh, Aaron's Atomic Robo, and now Dresden File, which is Dan Dan has been running several sessions for two f- different groups. It's uh, actually happened, everyone. It's actually happened. <laughs> yeah, it multiple in, sessions of both groups. Yes, I would say it happening since it's still going on. Well, so. No, it's happened at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll give you two that. and a half, three years of blue balling has finally. <laughs> yeah, we could timestamp it. There's a thread on the RPBR forums that talks about oh, yeah. this so, when he was supposed to get to it. And then, uh, okay. Well, when he when he posted the update. Yeah, there's like there's a yeah, years of us going like <laughs> oh, when is Dresden files going to have? I want it. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, because in a lot of our role-playing games, I feel that uh, the, the role-playing is almost always between one player and the GM at any given time. There's very little uh, role-playing going across the table, as it, as it was. Uh, you know, players talking to each other or resolving things without necessarily the I, I do think GM. it happens more in this group than I've experienced in a lot of other groups. Well, yeah, I, I think we are pretty good about that. But uh, we should talk about uh, how to bring about like what certain types of player characters certain types of games are better for this than others and so there are things you can do as a player to help bring this out more have more of that uh, and but there's also such thing as having too much 
of it because then you know there should be i don't know some kind of a plot maybe in games lies yeah apparently it's Uh, all about the rolling dice nothing else uh well that's the thing in party versus party uh role-playing there's usually no dice rolling because you're just talking to each other which is weird (laughs) i know Uh, right there's no there's no rules to guide since when do friends and colleagues communicate with each other yeah Ugh. ugh um so we should just communicate in, in sour grunts and stares. So as an example, I think. Oh, uh, I already do. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Uh, that, that's a lie. Right there. So, is it? Is it really? Uh, yes. So it, to use the most obvious example that I can think of in the Atomic Robo game, my character was a human who thought he was a robot. Uh, so I played sort of a played it very straightforward, like, oh no, don't do that. Uh, you know, very. Uh, emotionless or kind of sardonic kind of character. Yeah, and always like, referring to you, uh, like, or, or always referring to yourself in the parts that you were comprised of. Right. Like, oh, my optics are blinded, or yeah, try to use as few words as you could. Yeah, kind of laconic. Yeah, uh, but on the other hand, Tom was a former Helsingard scientist who turned himself into a dinosaur later on. Uh, and the Helsingard, of course, are the Nazi super science guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to that, he created good, interesting dynamic where my character was convinced you were a bloodthirsty Nazi dinosaur, um, an actual yeah. monster, and, yeah, an actual an monster. Animal. And you had to con- and I had to constantly keep reminding you not to give in to your bloodlust. Uh, Which, of course, I think my answer is, yeah, not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I felt that was a good sort of running mm-hmm. joke and uh, a good way to show that you know we had two different parts that we could play and we, we there was a never ending source of conflict as you were you would get frustrated with me and I would just overreact to your character anything your character did uh, so I don't know I thought I thought that was a good thing well um, um, speaking of this though I'd almost we're remiss in if we don't mention David's character as well and your interactions with him. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, he was playing a David character. He, right. he was playing a David character. Right. A sociopath? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. A reform, reformed mad scientist. Well, no, I, well, okay, how about this? He's, he's playing a, soci- like, a sociopath who's an extreme extrovert. So, a David character. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, go on. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, because I, I, it was always interesting to watch you kind of react to the squeaking. Yeah. <laughs> That's a table, by the way. Yeah. Um, but no, it was always interesting to see you guys react uh, through characters to what he was doing because, yes, he was doing David over the top, which was a character named Dr. Uh, Malevolent. Or Malevolent. Mal- yeah. Mal- malevolent, basically. It was malevolent, but. Uh, it, was, it was malevolent, just, just, just with the wrong. Uh, Syllable emphasized. There you go. But you it was a tome but of hyperbole. I was going to ask how, at least with the dynamic, were you um, feeling how you were trying to react to him constantly? Because I always, I was, was taking. I, like I kind of focused approach. on Tom. Uh, I mean, so I mean, it, it was more for me. That was the, the thing. Well, to be honest with David, it was a, it was a little more not so much a lot of back and forth, but a lot of yeah. him really talking loud. Yeah, which I mean, like as a mad time. Yeah, yeah. Nothing against David, but he's almost not germane to this conversation because we are talking <laughs> about dialogue, and David actually prefers the monologue, which is great. His his ability to be loud and extemporize, extempor- whatever, yeah. come up with on the fly mm-hmm. things to say is pretty yeah wonderful. Impressive. But yeah. as for interaction, yeah. eh. I also th- I, yeah. I also know like I I have fun because because you know, also none of us actually bothered to try to help you realize you were not a robot. 
Right. In fact, in fact, a lot of us, we just took you at your word. It's like sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't tell them. It might hurt them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we just, you know, we all just went along with it, and we kind of played it. We never, we never said it in-game, but we just, I think all just mentally assumed, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. A long uh, so I think everyone had sort of roles to different play, and there was sort of a, a, a conflict. Um, I think a lot of problems is in a lot of role-playing games, one player, a lot of players tend to make, I'm a special snowflake who doesn't talk to people you know uh like they, that's they, a stereotypical they want to play batman they want to play batman the, uh, black puddings that raised me that i keep in a bandolier <laughs> uh well, that's actually i hadn't heard that particular one but uh there's yeah the orphaned uh the well, the person who is they try to imitate heroes in fiction where you could hear their interior monologue you know inner monologue uh i'm a tortured hero uh but that does you know they're trying to play rorschach but rorschach's Dialogue is all inside his head, and so in a role playing game, it, you can't really. It's not really that interesting. Like I sulk and sit by myself, or yeah, in fact, yeah, in fact, yeah, whenever anyone talks to Rorschach, it's an unpleasant experience, right? But he doesn't want he to like most of the time. He's like, let's go beat up those bad guys. He either say yes or wander off and go beat up bad guys on his own. Uh, the other example would be, and so that's that's terrible. You're too like you're being too. Uh, combative to isolated to whatever to function at all within the party but on the other hand there's the other extreme which is very common I see a lot like okay let's all get together gang and do everything and they, they, everyone and goes out and done well no everyone does things but everyone gets along perfectly let's they everyone there, no conflict there's no there's, there's no inner conflict yeah in and, the there, and, there, and to make it interesting you're like there needs to be a middle ground because it can't all be right. all smurfs or all frank miller what so. you need to do well, yeah all right there we go just don't like, go never go full smurf <laughs> just like uh whatever obscure episode of garfield and friends taught us what you need to do is imagine the characters in the party trying to order a pizza together Conflict generated in no time. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, what, what toppings? You know, exactly. Rorschach once, you know, yeah. or, or, or or you'll just assume like I assume you're going to want bloody raw human meat on it. Like, yeah, yeah. long pig pizza, <laughs> just like Maza used to make. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, and then you don't. Uh, my character wouldn't understand the sarcasm. I try to order long pig pizza uh, to placate your bloodlust. That's better. See, but, like, but, and then but, it gets but, delivered, and that's the weirdest pizza. But, that, but then the, yeah, I the guy, but, but the guy in the phone says oh right away don't get any requests for that like yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And then the ghoul pizza delivery boy tunnels up beside you and it's <laughs> <"Hello."> <laughs> uh, oh, 30 minutes or less you were right so yeah let's uh, um, I know Bill in your, the show notes uh, when we were talking earlier you had uh, brought up some Robin Law's points about this because he right. wrote a whole role playing game to sort of solve this yeah. idea yeah. Uh, yeah. the drama system he, uh, slash hill folk right because I was thinking about this you know in terms of I don't know. I'll fully admit that I'm probably the devil's advocate here. Like, this is not a thing I'm especially good at, nor do I find, like, great wonking quantities of value in, usually. But there are games. Like, I was thinking about playing Fiasco. Fiasco is a game of nothing but this. So how is it that sometimes it feels like, you know, just a bunch of wheel spinning, and sometimes it actually is the game? I kind of worked out that, you know... At least as a theory, I think this breaks down kind of along the whole iconic versus dramatic character uh, theory, for lack of a better word. Uh, So the idea of an iconic character, most of the characters we're used to from, you know, especially, you know, pulp kind of fiction, comic books, uh, older superhero movies. In fact, the disconnect, 
in a lot of modern superhero movies might be trying to make iconic characters into dramatic characters, but that's, you know, that's 200 level class analysis. <laughs> um, an iconic character has some sort of core value that is challenged by the plot. They stay true to that core value and, you know, either overcome or are destroyed by the world as a result of, you know, dealing with this one value. And in most role-playing games, we're playing iconic characters, things right. that are, you know, roughly Batman or Indiana Jones, or we have one core concept that we kind of revolve around. But if you look at, uh, you know, drama system is the best example here. A dramatic character has two defining poles that they're moving back and forth between. And, you know, sometimes one is positive, sometimes one is negative. Sometimes, you know, you're kind of ambivalent between them. But it's a matter of, you know, one outcome is the hoped for outcome for the character. One is the feared outcome for the character. And I think that actually can produce a lot better character to character interaction because then, you know, instead of an iconic character who really doesn't have any of his emotional needs fulfilled by other characters, you've got this, you know, slightly deeper, slightly less plot focused character that actually can go to other PCs and, you know, be like pitch scenes that the core of it end up not being or the core of it does end up being, hey, I have this emotional need that I need fulfilled from you. And then all of a sudden, you know, character to character interaction is doing something where otherwise it kind of feels like wheel spinning. If role-playing okay. is genre em emulation, why is it important that we talk to each other during this investigation? Right. <laughs> other than to exchange information. Let's <laughs> like about, about we talk to each other with sudden close-ups. Like, like, I had, what did you have for lunch today? Like, I had pastrami. Like, no way. Well, we ha ham. well, the thing is, in any investigation, you need the iced tea <laughs> character to explain like what the kids on the street are doing and why it's bad. You know, <laughs> I was uh, hoping you'd seen those. <laughs> uh, you know, like in Law and Order SVU, it's like, uh, what is it? They're drinking Night Quill and eating uh, candy sticks. They're calling it White Christmas or something like that, or Brown Christmas. Uh, so <laughs> I thought that was the one that involved cat box. Cat box, box, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so thanks, iced tea. Yeah. Uh, so you need that at least, I mean, right? Um, but again, that's an iconic character, right? So yeah, like the classic <laughs> example for an iconic character breakdown, I guess, w would be Batman, as you mentioned earlier, and that would be like usually that's like, can he fight the crime all the time, right. or does he kill? And like the mm -hmm. classic story is the Joker, like does he kill the Joker or not? Mm -hmm. Because the Joker wants him to kill him, and if he doesn't kill him, the Joker's going to kill more people, right? Uh, and so that's the whole story revolves around that dynamic. So right. a dramatic character has two. Uh, Axis, mm -hmm. or for instance, uh, like since you know the, this analysis originally comes from Robin D. Laws, yay! Book Hamlet's hit points. Hamlet yeah. uh, has the dichotomy of you know inaction and contemplation versus action. Right. So is he going to stand around and give soliloquies and think about you know kind of be a proto goth, or is he going to actually investigate his dad's murder and you know kill okay. his uncle and stuff? Yeah. Uh, Hamlet, ladies and gentlemen. Hamlet. <laughs> That's all you need for your high school Hamlet class, or Shakespeare class. Uh, well, thank you for not mentioning the Scottish play. This was Bill's quote notes. <laughs> the Scottish play. Uh, yeah, the full Monty, right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, uh, so, yeah, in terms of role-playing, um, what a dramatic character would be, again, like torn between mm -hmm. different uh, mutually exclusive goals. Right. So, like... 
Uh, altruism and greed. Altruism mm-hmm. for greed. So, uh, for example, actually, better angels. You know, <laughs> like uh, they're very much torn between like I can use my superpowers to do good, but if I, but I also have to, yeah, like balancing the, their demonic, uh, uh, the screw tape. Versus their own goals as a person. Like, do I want to be, do I want to do, have power to change the world or do I want to save my soul? Or, you know, uh, so there's, there's that, that would be, that's a per- per- perfect dramatic uh, uh, question. So, um, so in terms of that, so thinking about that and in terms of uh, inner party conflict, uh, that's sort of, I guess, having uh, the reason why I think parties go full smurf. Is because everyone's goals are the same. As a Venn diagram, it would just be a circle. <laughs> the goal is kill the dragon. Okay, let's go kill the Get dragon. XP. Yeah. Uh, so if everyone's goal was slight, if there was a, some overlap in that, that like we have to kill the dragon because it's bad, or we have to kill the dragon to rescue the princess. Well, or kill what, the dragon because lots of treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in which case, yeah, what do we use the treasure for? Or, for example, I want to rescue the princess because I can then take her back to her, her father and I can get her hand in marriage. Mm-hmm. I want to kill her so I can be next in line to the throne or my or my bud but, can be next in line to the throne. So they did, both agree on killing the dragon. Did the dragon actually kidnap her? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Or are they now married? Or are you, secret, are you a secret cultist of the dragon? You're like, I want to, I'm just going to help these guys up until the point I can backstab them the best. Curse your sudden but inevitable <laughs> So that's, I think that's the goal is having like... Uh, to go back to Atomic Robo, uh, it, it, our goals were basically the same as we're all employees of Tesladyne. But in terms of that, my character believing he was a robot, you know, I guess he he thought he had to be orderly, and everyone else around him had to be orderly. And a fucking Nazi dinosaur is the opposite of my character, and so like I would say, well. Organic versus inorganic. So, Again, this is perception. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah. Just sort of wondering what the shades of gray in that spectrum are between yeah. <laughs> human android and Nazi dinosaur. <laughs> Which is still another re- reason I found it interesting that you you two kind of paired off in that because with the whole issue with or, uh, logistics and order and David's character just being bombastic mad science, I figured right. you would just be bouncing off of him constantly. So Once again, I think the problem there was, you know, David David monologues. Yeah. Also, <laughs> mad science is still orderly because science. Science right. has laws. Uh, not and, to him. <laughs> or at least that particular And he's character. a human. He's not a dinosaur. Dinosaurs are instinctual animals. They're the op- Animals are the opposite of robots. Which is what I saw yeah, and I Ross thought that worked. I thought about this so much. <laughs> so, um, but no, but also, but also yeah. like, I think I, I just took what Ross was... I, I think we both just took what he, we were both doing. Yeah. And like, all right, let's... Let's do something with this. So, yeah, so the dramatic conflict doesn't necessarily, the drama versus iconic thing doesn't have to necessarily be the goal. It could be just personality traits or opposing. Yeah. uh, Yeah, this isn't um, an end in and of itself. It's just if I was setting out with the goal of let's play a role playing game where, like, the intended goal is to have lots of interactions like this, I would try to figure out what are the poles of my character and who can I go to to try to get them fulfilled and how can we. Rub up mm. against each other and have some nice, you know, frisson there. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, some, but also, like, it can just happen in a game that no one's planning on doing that. Okay, I think okay. it can actually like sometimes this good banter can just spontaneously happen between right. But there players. are certain conditions that like mm-hmm. promote it, and there are certain conditions that like lower its chances of having good banner you know mm. um well yeah well it's like the conditions have to be right right the conditions 
Delta uh, Green, not a great place for banter. Because it's going to be, yeah. well, what'd you do today? Went to the gun range. How about you? Like Same. I was like, how about, it's like, how about you? Like, psychiatrist office. Yay. Yeah. And C. So went to, and burned down the green box facility. Mission yeah. over. <laughs> well, I think actually the new Delta Green will have more opportunities for that because of with the bonds. Uh, but absolutely. I still think that's going to be more with the GM. Yeah, that's true. The one bond you will have with the other players at the character is the toxic one that is killing all your other bonds. Um, this is true. Well, or if you're going, if you're wanting to, to get a step further beyond like the ro- just the rolling mechanic, if you're remembering something or trying to hold on to a piece of your uh, at least piece of that relationship, you can possibly have one of the other. Uh, and uh, one of the other players act out that other character like we have been doing for oh, red yeah, markets. Red, red markets and so just kind of move that mechanic over into Delta Green possibly and use it for that. Well, I was thinking like again, uh, using the bonds as uh, a way to create conflict within a scene. For example, like the main thing is I can't go in there. I've got a wife and kids. You kick in the door. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you take more risk. You're single. You you don't have any. No one gives a shit about you. And then. Yeah, somebody's gonna feed your parakeet eventually. Yeah, I'll feed your parakeet. I don't <laughs> care. I'll, I'll take it. My kids could like use a bird. I don't care for five, ten minutes. Yeah, uh, exactly. And so, <laughs> um, and that can be an inter- engaging thing where player characters can, you know, players, yeah, can sort of get have a more memorable scene. I think having good banner, even if it's not much, even that like you kick in the door. No, you kick in the door. Uh, yeah. I I, I, sometimes I just I mean even in a campaign there, there can be an individual mission like remember the dinner party from uh, New World yeah oh yeah that, that's that's really that's all that was was us just yeah. ourselves and other that's NPCs that's not banter yeah well <laughs> aside from the mic the arguing thing like there were good scenes in there but I mean a lot of it was were player they? versus I, I think the yelling yeah. uh, kind yeah. of blotted them all out of my memory okay all right fair enough fair enough. <laughs> Um, but I think part of the thing is also again going back to like personality and type is like a, a lot of players do play uh, a lot of characters that are very like I am stone or I am I need, no, I need I, nothing and no one. I need nothing and no one or I, I just want to be reactive a lot of players are very reactive and I think you need to give whatever character you role play an excuse to go out and initiate conversation or like demand something from other players I mean again yeah, going like, to the hill folk yeah I think like, a lot of, like New, Arc- uh, New Arcadia that was a real there was yeah. a lot of that, in that yeah um, yeah so if you look at the characters in New Arcadia uh, especially at the street level tier you have for example uh, Norm, who wanted to be normal, but was stuck with these robot arms that he couldn't, you know, uh, couldn't couldn't be normal with anymore. And then versus uh, you, who was totally abnormal as well, uh, but uh, a bit more accepting of. My I remember condition. one scene in particular where, like, you freaked out because he found out of your character's back history with the mob, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Uh, that create that the history created an interesting mm-hmm. scene between the two of you as you had to come to realize yeah. who is this person I'm fighting alongside? I have to trust my life to. Uh, oh, he used to be a mobster. Jesus, what the hell's going on? Yeah, uh, or just like when I, I he lost his place and I invited him to stay in the abandoned skyscraper I live right. in. Uh, like we we had a good ten minutes. Well, this is my place. Uh, it'd be like uh, if you like, there's some Shasta soda in the fridge if you want it. Yeah, that's another thing. You don't have to have. They don't like conflict is. 
you don't have to have a very it can just be sort of a character building thing where it's just like oh there's not 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 much in the way conflict norm is just trying to adjust to this new life that he has it doesn't have to be like oh you kick in the door he's like oh here's your new life now how how do you like it uh this is the new normal for you Mm -hmm. uh at the and, same time, I mean, I feel yeah. like that's really illustrative of what you could probably peg as norms to poles. Yeah. Like, you know, that's definitely punching the freak versus normal button. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, and or, so, it, yeah, it works along that. Or if you're going into the uh, uh, the opposite end, when we're entering into conflict, uh, Jason and myself during the majority of <laughs> oh, this. Oh, shit. But, yeah. but <laughs> okay, that actually, that segues to a point I was thinking about ma- making relative to what we've been saying. Don't play a crappy toilet paper character. And what's a crappy toilet paper character? That's someone who won't take shit off anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's the other part. Yeah, like your character is more. You have to be more <laughs> special snowflake and more badass than anyone. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. That, is that from Robin Laws too? Uh, no. Okay. That's from Bill's head. <laughs> no, I'm sure I stole it from someone. It's yeah. from your head. Okay. Just say that. Say probably it. George Carlin. That's who you attribute. Or his well, head. Um, right? It's from a very <laughs> Henry awesome. Rollins. It's from, yeah. it's from but, a very but awesome head. The, but okay. that that particular reaction too. Jason and I, despite the the actual conflict of it, did actually kind of build up a story over it where a lot of it went from his uh, the legitimate of him trying to find his father's legacy and me just wanting that knowledge. Yes, being Mm -hmm. impulsive and wanting that knowledge. Both of us screwing up equally, and then kind of finding that path in the middle. So equally, I I, I remember your screw ups with the releasing of damn souls from hell. Uh, as the part of your character, what was Jason's screw up? So choices were made. Uh, yeah. main, uh, mainly yeah. just kind of that yeah. he was angry at you and carrying it for a long time <laughs> in the game. So that was equal to the murderous rampage of the Revenant, which was stopped. Yeah. after people were or the killed. rampage of Robot Assassin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Ro- running yeah, jokes, uh, but, another uh, good part. Uh, but yeah, so that's actually a good point. Like stepping over a player's boundary, being uh, someone who can take shit like the thing is yeah the party the whole premise of any role-playing game is that there is a ensemble cast that are together to do things uh and so there's no group dynamic where if you if you have one person of the party who no one can ever insult no one can ever push back you don't have a group of equals you have a cult leader and his you know followers you have charles manson well sometimes you actually dark well you'd actually think about it or sometimes you'd actually have like in a game of four players sometimes you have four cult leaders who expect to be who expect to be followed yeah i mean i know role-playing games are an escapist pursuit like uh but there you it's it's a team effort you know and there's uh yeah or god having a party like four batman yeah, exactly. For Batman. But Batman has a family of kind, who, and he's a jerk too, but like he still gives them gadgets and shit like that. And, and puts them in danger them. all the time. Gadgets and scorn. Yeah, yeah gadgets <laughs> and scorn. Just, it's an interesting <laughs> but, family but dynamic. But you do see the other personalities. Well, that was Batman Incorporated yeah, for a while. Yeah, or like, Bat Family. But yeah, you. Until they all die because of, I guess, I, don't, I, I didn't follow it. It's DC. We don't yeah. do it. But besides the fact die. that, at least in the times they were telling the good stories, you did see divergent personalities emerge yeah. from it too. You had Nightwing, who was pretty much the that's like the much happier son 
Um, Here's what it's like when you don't grow up with PTSD. Yeah. Yay! Well, yeah, a better choice would be like the Justice League. Like, you could be Batman, but like, you can't really. Batman's whole thing is he is the one trying to act like super badass, but then he's like, I'm Superman. Okay, you have a kryptonite ring somewhere, but. But I'm Batman. Yeah. And I can breathe in space. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just terrible writing, you know. Uh, you want to be, you want to have the Justice League episodes where everyone has to contribute in some way. Yeah. It, Aquaman? Uh, Aquaman's well, come Jason up. Jason Mimosa so. plays Aquaman. That's going to be the did, badass. Did you ever see him in, in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited? They actually gave him a pretty badass yeah. uh, okay. storyline. So Anyway. Um, see, we've now devolved to the talking about cartoons part of the episode. <laughs> next, that'll be next after hours. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, that's the thing is like you can go too much with the party banter and stuff like that. Uh, I think. There are, I know some members of RP are more tolerant of that than others, but like, uh, at what point does bar- banter get too much for you? Like, you, I mean, it's, it's a very subjective thing. I know there are some role playing groups that are out there that are just basically, let's have our characters talk and hang out and do be cool. And, and then that's about it. There's very little in the way of plot. And I think at the end of the day, like, the sort of story that your GM is trying to tell sort of determines that because yeah, that's a good essentially point. it's a matter of like I know if we're playing a Tom game we can do that forever and he's going to enjoy the fuck out of it and yeah. Well, yeah. if I'm running the game I will be glad for five minutes to collect my thoughts but eventually we want to move on and if Ross is running the game we are fine up until the minute he gets that constipated look and starts scribbling more notes in his notebook. <laughs> Which means we're in serious trouble. Serious trouble. And then Caleb it's like why are you talking do more plot now uh, <laughs> two guys with guns burst in because you tried to talk to each yeah. other we have five more pages to get through today <laughs> that's very much him that, that's true uh, yeah but i actually think like but for time like if you're just wanting to do it by scene like how much is banter is enough like a lot of good movies do it right you can kind of time it a scene in a yeah, game look at quentin tarantino i mm-hmm. mean he's, yeah. he I spends mean, months writing the dialogue but like it's but then always right. something happens <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in in uh, Glorious uh, Bastards, uh, the uh, the tavern scene, like mm-hmm. it's twenty minutes of talking about movies, from but, the it's 30s. In, but it's but it's intense then, the whole time. It's very tense the whole time, and then the final action resolution it takes ends in seconds. Uh, it is very, very and to say goodbye. To but you if you want to take yes. the opposite end of where it could go too far, then you have oh god, what was it? Um, what was part of Grindhouse? His other one. Oh, um, Death Proof. Death no, Proof. Death Proof. Where it was just dialogue for a good twenty to twenty-five. No, no, minutes. no. That's it, every Quentin. No, no, no. But no, no. <laughs> Death Proof. It was dialogue half the movie. Yeah. Then there was like a really quick, like five-minute action scene, and then another bit of dialogue for another half, like I'd say third of the movie. Yeah. And, and then, then on, the final action scene. It's which, very indulgent. I think we can all agree. And then on the far end of the spectrum, like. I still think Clerks is a great movie, but I'm not lining up to buy the role-playing game. That's a good Fuck point. No. Yes, good. Good point. Uh, so, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it depends on the type of scenario. I would say, like, something like Matt Sipnire, Lothotep. Very, yeah, I mean, we had a lot... I don't lot- think we talked to each other other than to say, go there, shoot man. Uh, <laughs> don't you, use dynamite. Use, gu- use gun on man. We did have our points of it, but... Uh, certainly when new party members joined the group, like yeah, that, which we're... happened more than once, uh, <laughs> they had to be introduced to the team. To oh, hello, survive. crazy person. Don't use dynamite. <laughs> I really should have just like started writing out a you know waiver. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sign this before you sit Hand it to your nearest lamplighter cultist. But... They'll, they'll have copies like... in the future in the past. Yeah. So. I was like, I think, How do you feel about no I think banter can yeah. actually be kind of important because it... 
sometimes it actually it's what gets the group to feel they're participating in the story. Yeah, I've been in a few games where you know it's you know like well especially con you know well con games but also some others where it's extremely railroady and it seems like the only thing we do on our own is yeah. like you want to just have a quick uh, back and forth between us. So what you're saying is this is an antidote to games that are otherwise shit. <laughs> it can That's shit, but no. like it can definitely improve the quality of any game. Um, I would say good banner, which revolves it's both a spice. Players, at least it's two pl- players, you know, contributing and having player types that aren't, you know, <laughs> shitty to- toilet paper or roar shark <laughs> or uh, just or the me monster. Yeah, or the me. Yeah, um, and <laughs> me. me. Ross, you're not joining in. Uh, no, it's it's he, all about. He's hosting team. duties. He yeah. can't do that. So uh, yeah. beware the me monster. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think other types of games that it's better for would be again. Um, like I I think the Dresden File has been. There is a plot. There's an overarching plot, but it is not like the fate of the world is at stake. Like in Masks, for example. <laughs> Um, Atomic Robo, it was good, I think, because we were trying to save everything, but uh, there, it wasn't like in Mask where there's a timeline and you have to do this by this point. And yeah. that, it wasn't as hairy. Uh, no Evil was another one where there was very little banner because, like, oh, God, we have to figure out everything and travel the solar system before we, yeah, oh, God. Uh, the other hand, for, like, being one-shots, I'm surprised I hadn't thought of this so far, but, like, the road trip games... Oh yeah, it was yeah. limited, but banner popped up, and it was really important to identifying with the non-monster sides. Of like, the oh my, or just, yeah, yeah. just Caleb. It was Cody, like, oh giant brain. Yeah. Just well, listen. Like, like, that I, was to was to, to uh, yeah. I know. Like, but we re-listened to that on the way to Gen Con, and like you and Cody actually did some really great stuff because you were playing your you know extremely laconic, mm-hmm. essentially the laundromat attendant as a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> He was playing AD and D, the motion picture. Yeah, <laughs> and together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but or the argument over here's a broken toy for your broken home. Uh, that was another uh, retro game. That was the uh, that was a Sentai Rangers. Yeah, the thing. Sentai Rangers one, uh, which was posted as a B side. I don't think I posted it to the main podcast uh, because so, of here's a broken toy for your broken home. Yes, uh, basically. <laughs> uh, and, 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 wow. Uh, uh, it's Jason's fault for moving away. Yeah. Well, I it's think Jason's fault. Uh, yeah. Then he can't. He can't t- speak in his own. Def- he can't yeah. speak here. <laughs> I think the thing is, uh, if you notice, the, the main similarity is actually the tone of the game. They're more lighthearted, mm-hmm. more comedic. They're not super grim dark. You know, like there's a diff- different, uh, definitive difference between Atomic Robo and say uh, Eclipse Phase, uh, at least the no evil <laughs> version of it. Uh, You're so, saying Aaron ran a lighthearted game? Yes. I'm having a hard time imagining that. <laughs> Try harder. Adju- adjust your imagining. Oh, oh, yeah. oh there it is. There. Thank I you. thought you might get it. No, no, it's it's not a value statement at all. Oh, no, you're, okay. no, you're fine. But but you do have the point that it's depending on, on the system that you're running to um, – uh, group interaction and quipping is going to be much easier than it is because Atomic Robo at its heart is all about the weird science and the sarcasm so you just let yeah. it flow freely Eclipse Phase it can work as well but it just depends you on could the, do a lighthearted Eclipse yeah. Phase game. but it, like, it's depending on that GM and how it's running or it couldn't be a firewall game probably yeah yeah, yeah but you could scum swarm all day with oh yeah Absolutely. or like some yeah. kind of like some kind of noir story on Mars 
Uh, I actually did that. I did yeah. that in a one shot. Well, that wouldn't be super light. Well, it depends on how noir it got. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and even then, noir, it's not really you know a lot of character interaction so much as it's monologues about you know how through the Mars rain I viewed the uh, neon sign yeah. blinking into eternity. Wars. <laughs> Also a horse. Uh, also yeah, horse. yeah. Never go well, Frank like, like, Yeah, I walked by the uplift horse. They smelled. It would be interesting to try a game that is sort of more dark or serious that still has a lot of banter. So uh, drama system. Uh, Essentially, drama critical system. mass is, is coming you know, together ne- that we really need to fucking play. We do. We, do, we really do need to play it. Uh, also. I would think Dirty World would probably be pretty good. Well, I was going to ask yeah. to say if you were talking um, about uh, when we did a very thorough murder, though. Uh, because that had a lot of interaction between all the characters. Yeah, you. I, w- I mean, I wasn't here for that, so. Uh, but no, it was yeah. your. I know it was your idea. Of like, no, just have them all start after they've all committed oh, the murder. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I told Caleb, don't give them free will. No, you want to, <laughs> you want to start them in that pit. See in how far res. down they get. Yeah, in yeah. Res. yeah. Uh, you can't, you can't, because they'll walk away from the pit, and that's no fun. You know, you got to get in the pit <laughs> in that blood and muck. You know. Yeah, uh, you have to get him in the shit. Yeah. Oh my god, I was backpedaling so hard, I, I pretty much broke the chain. <laughs> <laughs> Were you trying to like, no, my character didn't kill anybody. I didn't know what happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, well, you said like you, uh, you said like you, uh, like oh, I only went there to scare him. Yeah, like, 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 well, like he was pretty scared when we shot him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a great example of that banner that happened. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess that's uh, sort of a work in progress. We'll have to think about this, uh, address it more uh, in the future after trying drama system. Uh, that's kind of what is. Uh, yeah, I remember some, like, some yeah. good banter we had. Remember that the Fallout GURPS game we did? Uh, vaguely. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, when cool. uh, like I was only in there for one session, but as the head of the ghoul town. Oh, yeah, Fallout. that was the other thing. Like having player characters actually, like the drama system thing is players have to get goals from one another. So, yeah. like in Fallout, the thing was you had resources that the rest of the players wanted, so they actually had to negotiate with you. Mm-hmm. So that worked out really well. Like, so. And we actually, we didn't just like out of character say, all right, here's what I want. Like, we did everything in character. Yeah. So I very think, little input from the GM. So I guess if you want a banner-heavy game, a game about inter-party conflict, make it something that the party can't solve if they just talk to each other. You know, that's that. Or give yeah. them well, or at least part. Make way. sure they're not all on the same side because you know, oh, talking yeah. about bannery games that end up dark. I mean, Fiasco usually comes out comedic, but even so, like yeah. if you're really playing those needs, yeah. Then for one, you know, the person sitting next to you that you share the need with. Might be someone working on the same side as you, but you're going to need someone, something from someone on the other side of the table, and they're probably not going to want to give it to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so, yeah, you have to think about how, like, again, you don't want it to be where everyone can walk away perfectly happy, you know. Oh, you mm. need the red key, and I have yeah. the the blue potion. Let's just trade, and we'll yeah. both be, yeah. Nah. By the way, your banter in uh, Shanghai was good. Uh yeah, Shanghai, yeah. Because, because that's that that's what led to like it's like they're, they're, they're like what's this leather? It's like there's cows on this island. There's cave cows. Cave yeah. cows. Yeah, uh, totally not. It's totally not human. Double skin. gold. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I mean that was one thing that Caleb actually brought up in Red Marcus was rationalization. Like Caleb would needle us for our various atrocities that we would commit, you know, and then like, no, but we, she had to die because she was going to send people to kill us when she found out she betrayed her. That kid was going <laughs> to give away our position. Yeah. The kid was going to give away our position. So I shot him in the head. He set on fire. Yeah. Like, as David, like David, like I shot him in the head. Yeah. Oh my Silence. God. Yeah. yeah. 
So one thing I was actually thinking about when you told me earlier in the week this was the topic uh, that sort of seemed at the same time to be a really good thing and also kind of a sticking point, I was thinking about Dungeon World, where actually when you take a journey, like when you stop to rest, you roll dice to figure out what kind of story are you telling about yourself. And that is at the same time really great and really difficult because, yeah. you know, it does sort of force you out of that, you know, Benny Badass kind of outlook if you all of a sudden have to tell the story of what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to this character okay uh yeah i mean that yeah those kind of those powered by the apocalypse world games are very much like player heavy role-playing because Mm -hmm. you have to literally come up with part of it you have to take some of the gm's burden and come up with world details and uh shit like that uh, I know I've started using some ideas from there, like, oh, what? Yeah, okay. So you find a mechanic. What's his name? Uh, you you come up with it, assholes. I'm not going to do it for you because uh, I. Are you sure that's abdicating responsibility or just giving in to laziness? It's yes. delegating. It is both. That's going to work better in some games than others. Like if we're playing Star Wars, like, all right, what's the name of the uh, shuttle pilot you're talking yeah. to? Like, oh shit. Yeah. Rando Cardrissian. <laughs> you are yeah. fired. Yeah. That would be. He would die. <laughs> of a heart attack while he was taking you somewhere. You had to pause So, So what you're saying is... <laughs> Free ship. Instead of counting Aaron deaths, we can now count how many uh, NPC deaths we can force you into <laughs> via bad names. Uh, yeah, I guess we could try that. Like, we'll see how well like, that goes. Oh, you, I was like, I'm sorry. You got the Jedi that makes people think they have bladder infections. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's going he's, he's gonna to go all phantom infection on you. Uh, still better than episode one. Yeah, still it's not still a high. It's a pretty low bar. Yeah, but yeah it is. But it kind of seems to me like I think the big thing of banter is I think it's a lot of like improv comedy. Yeah, There's definitely the rules of improv apply. Yeah, like Don't yes and gate the premise. Yeah, yes and yes and yeah. I mean to be fair though, like. Don't I, a lot of players take those ideas to use them to power game? Like, oh, you totally owe me all this money, or like, oh, you—that's really my magical sword, or like—and then you can't just say no, that's not your magical sword. And like, you, you know, that's the idea is they try to use it to get themselves to just make their character look better, you know? Like, oh, you totally yes, get it. Yes, I signed this I, this IOU over to the bugbear. Yeah. Go get it from him. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, that's saying is you can go back. Except and forth. the looks you. I have a lawyer, but don't use don't use the improv rules, knowing that the player has to say yes and then Uniform agree to it to just code. like, oh yeah, you totally puked uh, in your Commerce first rank clause. and you fell in the like. That's what I find a lot of times is mm-hmm. they just use it to like humiliate other players or like, uh, I mean not humiliate but just. So you're saying one level above yeah. the uh, yeah. the improv rules needs to be the like rule of Will Wheaton. Uh, which is don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. Yeah, just because it's supposed to enrich the uh, the story for everybody else and make it more immersive. Not immediately again single out to show how badass your Batman is. So yeah, exactly. Okay, like one or of my, how everyone I, else's sucks compared to your. Like, you know, like, you know, I mentioned it in, before we recorded, but like my favorite from Ghostbusters, just when Venkman says, "This reminds me of that time you tried to drill a hole through your head." Just totally just something you, I can see a character throwing away to someone else, and it's the difference between, dude, I never did that. What are you talking about? And to that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Right. Yeah. Which works. Uh, uh, it was a very funny line, but some players would be like, my character doesn't, would never do that, you know, and then they're kind of stuck in that awkward position. So you have to kind of know the other player. Or they might try yeah. something like, yeah, and, and remember how I did it? And actually, apparently, I punctured a part of my brain and it gave me psychic powers. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or it for, turns out I'm a cyborg. Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> found the metal plate in myself. Uh, but- 
we're playing an Iron Age tribe. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so like maybe it came from the Metal Sky Gods. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Somebody. Oh, it's Cherry to the Gods, motherfucker. Wait, you know, somebody... all of a sudden I'd play this. Yeah. Somebody wrote something different. This is wait. This is in the book. Oh, riffs. Yeah. It was Sad riffs. The riffs was inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we the get to the was inside the house. Run. Wait, it's not. It's not. We're not. It's not October yet. We can't do scary stories. All right. So uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. Uh, Palladium edition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on. Before uh, I know. Next segment, uh, Bill. You have the newest D and D book. Yes. Uh, so when we get back, he we seems can, very happy about that. Uh, out I of the abyss. Happy about it. Uh, and then of course we have shout outs. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, that was some good music, whatever I choose in the future of this recording. Probably Synthwave or Vaporwave. 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 I- I'm over it. I'll vape a Starburst. No, I'm really over it now. Uh, I'll vape a Starburst. I don't even give a fuck. Uh, so before we get to the shout-outs, Not even one we got uh, RPR got a review copy of Out of the Abyss, uh, the newest Fifth Ed D and D book. Uh, and, and Bill I talk about it. And Bill is our uh, resident, more of a Fifth Ed expert than I am, since you've run more of it than I yeah. have. I don't think I've actually run any of it. Uh, I've all pl- only played. Uh, so yeah. shun the non-believer. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I did. Pl- I've played in your games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's all good. Uh, tell us about Out of the Abyss. All right. Uh, yes, Out of the Abyss. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Uh, being the third uh, campaign-length adventure thingamy uh, to come out from uh, Watsy since Fifth Ed came out. Um, so I really want to like this book. I really, really <laughs> want to like this book. The problem is it's the wrong thing. Okay. This isn't a good campaign. It's just probably the best Underdark source book I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. I'll expand on that in a minute, but first, a small disclaimer uh, for all the listeners at home. The very first thing I did when Ross handed this book over to me was open it up and shake it very hard to make sure no drist fell out. And uh, (laughs) as it turns out, there's none. Uh, I think I saw his name pop up one place uh, where only the GM would ever have to see it and they don't have to tell the players about it. And then he unnamed pops up in the vision of a beholder that you might end up scrying through because reasons. <laughs> this is kind of a strange, strange thing. Uh, yeah. So are we going to get any ice, I guess no ice tea talking about his adventures in this particular book? Nope. Same. Lame. So like I said, uh, this is a better source book than it is an adventure. Um, the thing is the adventure, like, I've read it through, I haven't read it extremely closely, but I've read through it enough to get a sense of it. The adventure is not bad in and of itself. Uh, The synopsis is basically uh, Drow Mage works a spell that accidentally uh, opens up portals to the abyss, and demon lords step through into the Underdark and start wrecking things. Like they do. Yep. And the question eventually becomes, are you bad enough dudes to do something about it? Here's the problem with that. I guess Pelgrane has kind of spoiled me for the way they write adventures (laughs) because that synopsis was buried 150 pages into the book. Of the big plot? 
Yes. Yeah. That should okay. be the pitch sentence right there. Yeah, yeah. That that should be up front. And I know it starts, of, it's like what, from what, level what? 1 to 15. One, it, it's, it's supposed to be from level 1, one to, to 15. 15. Yeah. And it's, you start as slaves. You start imprisoned in yeah, or, yeah. a drow yeah, work camp or something. Um, but that's sort of a resonating problem that goes down through the book in that like it's broken up into uh, looks like 17 different chapters here. Each chapter is its own like nugget of, you know, adventuresome goodness. But each one of them fails to start with an explanation to the GM of what the hell is going on here. Like as a big structure, it works pretty well because it's you're in prison. You escape prison. You go essentially uh hex crawling other than there's not like a really great hex map but you know whatever point crawling meh obscure rpg terms uh (laughs) through the underdark it's got a really great chapter on what is it like to travel through the underdark uh and then four different uh places you can head out for in the underdark and then it kind of funnels back together you escape for a little bit and some dwarf king is like hey so it turns out you probably saw some demon lords down there and hopefully escaped with your lives. Will you go investigate that some more and uh, maybe get rid of them? And then you do. But uh, again, each one of the chapters fails to start with a summation of what actually happens in the chapter for the GM. So here I am, like, I ended up skimming over a lot of these because I read a few pages in. It's like, well, I have no fucking clue what's going on or what I'm trying to build towards here. So that's a problem. That said, on to the good stuff. Um, This is a great resource to mine adventures, mine set pieces, mine NPCs, mine descriptions out of for any uh, F20 game that you might want to do a great big underground, uh, you know, under dark, essentially. Uh, kind of scenarios or campaigns for. Um, It just drips with flavor. Um, There are some of the best, like, bits of descriptive and flavor text that I've ever seen in terms of uh, fungal stuff. Because, uh, what's her name? I'm not going to try to pronounce the, like, female... Demon, Demon Queen of Fungus. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like a bunch it's of I's and G's. And yeah, there's a couple yeah. of G's and a Z and a yeah. T and just letters. Consonants all the way down. So fucking so, so many not, letters. So it's not Jubilex? No. He's also in there, though. Okay, that's good. Oh, and by the way, Tom, uh, there is a monster focus that I think you would love. Um, tell me, tell me, there tell is, me. There is, amongst <laughs> other things, a gelatinous cube that has gained sentience. Because of the presence of Jubilex in the Underdark. And there's some wonderful art of a gelatinous cube that is chosen not to dissolve two eyeballs from one of its victims. So, yes. So, like, it helps me look, it helps me look more presentable. It's a gelatinous cube with googly eyes. I think I, I, think I saw that picture. <laughs> yep. But I, I did not have it in context. Right. Yeah, um, yeah let's see. There's that. Uh, not to get sidetracked too much by fungus but there are a couple of wonderful little uh myconid npcs uh named rumpadump and stool uh yeah i saw i actually nice. saw that like i think it's like a, yeah. a random background table roll one is you actually mind melded with a group of myconids and now you long to return to that yeah yeah the the way they cast the myconids is very definitely kind of summer of lovish and i like it uh, I've heard. I, I, I think I heard that they were trying to like reimagine the Underdark to be more like an Alice in Wonderland, like mm-hmm. very kind of trippy sort of environment, including, right. yeah, including the Mind Flayer Insane Asylum. Yeah, uh, because it turns out insane brains are more delicious. Nice. <laughs> yeah, 
No, yeah, that totally makes sense. I've been spicy playing flavor, I guess. Yeah, uh, there's a there's an odd vein running through here where I think like this is without trying really hard to achieve this tone. This is probably one of the more Lovecraftian D and D products that I've seen in a long time, because they actually embrace a little more the idea of demons as forces of chaos and chaos being here madness, where each demon lord that's in the Underdark has its own particular flavor of madness. It seems a little like Dream Quest of Unknown Cadet. Yes, very much so. Uh, and I happen to be one of the people that loves that morass of never-ending purple <laughs> prose. Uh, so, you know, for me, that's a good I thing. I did literally run a campaign in that, so yeah, yep. I, I yep. am a fan of that as well. So, yeah, the long and short of this is, I think this is a book that is worth getting a hold of. Um, I just don't know if I would ever try to run it as a campaign uh, because I'm a grown-up with a job and a life, and I don't have time to rewrite the book into a campaign so I would know what's going on enough yeah. to run it. If I'm going to do that, I'm just going to sit down and run a campaign. But if I wanted to sit down and run an Underdark campaign, this is the first book I'd go to. Uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, I think, yeah, the day, I mean, the, the whole thing about D&D uh, that I never got is doing, like, let's do the five-year campaign or, like, the two-year. Like, we did that with New World to a degree, uh, but it wasn't like the, the expectations was you're going to play from level one to 20, and that's going to be it. You know, that's all your, you, you, every game is going to be level one to 20 campaign. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, I mean, especially now, recently, with things like, uh, Armitage Files, Dracula Dossier. Uh, there are a lot of interesting campaign models coming out. I mean, he hell, even Massive Rider Lothotep is not linear. You do New York and like, where do you want to go? You yep. could you could just go to the end chapter by luck or by chance and like skip everything else. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, you get there and they're totally not ready for their ceremony. Well, well, in Mass, there is actually like a timeline in it, and there you have so much time. To do it, so, so I mean, I love to get there. They're just setting things up. Well, that's basically that. That's how, how it is up until the very last day, like when they they do. How the, would you do that without metagaming? Because man, like you kind of had to work to figure out what the hell was going on. Uh, well, imagine if you go to the right city, which I won't say because you know, for spoiler reasons, you could just get the clues to go to the their the hideout, and then. So what you're saying is you deliberately seeded the intro adventure, uh, so we would have extra heat there. Uh, <laughs> well, this Ross is my second that? time running masks. I know how it works. That's madness. Ross would never do that. Yeah. Plus, dick. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit of dick wanting to actually give a full game versus, hey, look, I found the Chrono Trigger cheat yeah. to get to Lavos. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> By the way, that was an awesome cheat. Thank you very much. That's like New Game uh, Plus. A lot of that is actually for Masks Companion, too, which added a lot of stuff. Uh, RPGs need a New Game Plus. They, yeah, you need a 600-page book to run your 200-page campaign. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's what it sounds like. You need a companion to run this. As, yeah, pretty much. As um, yeah, I, this one I want to have just for the having. I am still interested at some point in running Princes of the Apocalypse. Sure. I think it just does the thing better. Uh, for one, because it's somewhat improvisational in style. It's like, yeah. well, you've got four elements and you're kind of going to go after them in a pattern, but the players still get to choose what order fundamentally they go after them. Yeah. yeah. This just tries to be more structured, but then doesn't have the support there to make that structure happen. Hmm. Now, um, Oh yeah. It also does bear saying, however, uh, if you just like books for the sake of books, 
get this book because uh, the production qualities of Fifth Ed D&D continue. Uh, there's about five pages in the end of concept art that is just fascinating, amazing stuff. And Tom is drooling at them from across the table right yeah, now. Yeah, the, the, the art is amazing. Actually, Fifth Ed art well, is amazeballs. Kind of yeah. tying it into a recent, exper- recent experience. <laughs> is it up to... Yeah, uh, experiment. Uh, is it up to uh, Alpha Omega standards of... It's way it's better than Alpha Omega. <laughs> yeah. Look at the cover art. Jesus. I mean, it's attached to an actual I, playable yeah. game. It's There's that it's escape. Up, it's up the correct size. <laughs> yeah, it's the right size. Uh, you could fit it on your bookshelf. Uh, I'm also actually looking here. I think Green Ronin, actually, they subcontracted at least some of the design out to Green yeah. Ronin. Oh, did they? Uh, Chris Promise from Green Ronin is Cam Banks. Uh, Green Ronin knows how to put out a book. They, they it's do. true. Uh, so Huge it's, masterminds forever. So this might be, I mean, they had a lot of people working on this. So this yeah. might be, that might just be a result of... Designed by committee? Uh, I would, it's well, a case it's, of designed by committee. You parcel out the work and then it's just hard to stitch it back together. Yeah. Again. So, uh, but it's, yeah. No, it sounds really cool as, again, a mineable resource. Right. And, and a concept that, like, should I ever run something like this, I will steal. There is a bit of sidebar for the final inevitable big-ass Demon Lord fight. Nice. As to how to hand the Demon Lords out to the players. And now, I'm going to guess which Demon yeah. Lord it is, considering he's plastered right on the cover. Well, that's one of them. But uh, in terms of interesting things that could happen, this campaign also gives your your uh, party the chance to obtain the Wand of Orcus. So nice. You have want fun that. with that. Because um, that won't corrupt. I was asking anyway, for or... those of us who are non D and D people. What is that? A, well, in older editions of D and D, it's an artifact, like artifact, artifact, indestructible except through special quest, and has a personality. Yeah, oh, it has okay. a personality attached to Orcus, god of the undead, uh, and had ass loads of necrom- uh, Demon necromancy. Demon lord pirates. of the undead. Thank Demon you. Demon lord. Of he you. tried to be a god. Okay. Remember meta oh, plot. So it's it Necronomicon ex mortis in a stick form. Pretty it, much. Okay. Yeah, you can. Do a lot of damage with it. Okay. Uh, but also, but also your, your ass is going to get corrupted big time by Oh, it. yeah. Yeah, you're not going to win that ego battle. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, great review. Uh, well, we thanks. will uh, certainly Citizen put a Citizen Kane clap. Yes. Uh, well, very in-depth. Like, I mean, I'd like to review more products to have new something up. Uh more than what we do for our shout outs because we're usually like hey here's the thing it exists go see uh, this cool so, thing yeah but so speaking of shout outs let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll burn right into this yeah uh, great fuck segment. you um, so first off I'd like to mention uh, Nightmind it's a YouTube channel that recently started up and they uh, the guy on there basically explains creepypasta stuff. Uh, he's done a few things right now, the biggest one of which is Marble Hornets, which is like over nine hours of footage when you put all three seasons together. And there is a, multiple Twitter accounts. There was To The Ark. There was a lot there. And, uh, yeah, and, for, yeah. Yeah, like for, and so he creates these by season little like it's about three or four hours worth of stuff but it explains the entire plot and like all the little secrets and everything like that and it's been helpful he also did one for Alan Tutorial uh, which is another creepy thing uh, that was actually run, done by Alan Resnick who did uh, Live As You uh, Are Forever oh yeah yeah so this is what he did before that and Alan Tutorial is both funny and creepy and sad so uh, 
Yeah. Let's talk about Bob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So uh, I really like it. Yeah, um, and, I, and I've uh, I discovered around the same time that Ross did, and I've been watching those two, and, and it's really nice because as much as I loved Marvel Hornets, um, it was it felt like it was hard to keep up just because again all of the multiple ARG elements of the other Twitter accounts and the p- different people that were analyzing things on Unfiction and whatnot. So I yeah. It, now I'm seeing all those pieces putting together, and also noting that now. Now, there are a couple things that were either red herrings or stuff they the the creators admitted they kind of swept under the rug in season one. So yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's not just a bunch of weird stuff that happens and then ends. There's an actual plot, yeah. uh, believe it or not. Uh, also, the Nightmine also linked to there's an actual a trailer for the student film Marble Hornets, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious because it's literally like every single student film I've ever seen. God uh, awful. I've also seen a lot. Of I have films. seen a lot of student films. It's very earnest about oh, it's hard being growing up and like realizing you're different than when you were when you were in high school. Or so you're saying all film students want to be Richard Linklater. Uh, basically, yeah, they all well, they all want to do Garden State. Uh, even oh, that's a mistake. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a that's a trap. Uh, it is. Uh, so, uh, but that's why it's hilarious. Anyways, uh, you speaking of things that are from, Ross just uh, indicated Aaron for the yeah. listeners. At home. So you can see this. Um, yes, I actually recent uh, after running the Atomic Robo game, uh, I actually rediscovered one of the series that I really loved called Eureka. Uh, it's a 2006 to 2012 series that was on Sci-Fi that, about. Uh, this town named Eureka in Oregon that was uh, home to a company called Global Dynamics, which was a DARPA defense uh, engineering firm, which they just created multiple different venues of weird science to kind of uh, sell, at least advance human society. And, of course, it comes off as very stilted, very funny, uh, with their uh, stand-in character, which was Jack Carter, a uh, U.S. Marshal who came into town and ended up becoming right. the sheriff of it. And it is very much in the same vein of Atomic Robo that you have all of these weird science characters uh, breaking the limits of uh, of human knowledge, but also breaking physics at the same time. And right. uh, But it had a great ensemble cast, very funny. I actually got to meet one of the uh, actors, like the guy who played Fargo a couple of years ago at Gen Con. Um, but I would, especially if you're wondering Atomic Robo games, I would highly recommend it too because it is just rife with fodder for the game if you were interested in... Uh, looking for s- different examples. So. Great, sounds good. Uh, it's on Netflix now. Uh, yes, uh, the okay. yeah the last two. It's only sadly the last two seasons, but the other ones are easily findable. So. Okay. Uh, I had one, but I thought of another one. As this would go better with what Aaron just did. Okay. Uh, it's another YouTube channel that I personally love, SciShow. Sci. Oh, yeah. is that uh, is that Hank Green? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll talk about mine after you talk about yours. Yeah, but it's uh, okay. Uh, it's it basically it's, it's got several people that do videos for it, but it's it's all like you know recent science discoveries or explaining things about science, and the way they do it is so perfect to describe science to someone that doesn't quite get it. And I think it actually it has one of my favorite science videos, which is the five most dangerous chemicals in the world. It's just the amount of humor he uses, but and also how he explains everything. It was. I showed it to Dan. I'm like, okay, if I was still doing the job where I showed documentaries to certain kids, I would show this video. Because I think right. even like ADD kids would laugh and find this fun. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, uh, there's one specific video of his that's yeah. actually a uh, kind of comedy hoax video 
that runs around as a science hoax. I don't know if we've ever talked about it here before, uh, but this is a thing that's been around since the 40s called the Turbo Encabulator. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hank Green did an update of that for Science Show for, yes. I think, April Fool's Day 2013. Um, now working in manufacturing. Uh, yeah. That's that is what product engineers <laughs> your, sound like. That is your jam. Right, I'll, but I'll see. I'll see if I can't get Ross to link to the five most dangerous chemicals video. Okay. All right. Link to both of those videos. They're uh, both important. Okay. Actually, I think his is the retro turbo encabulator. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and speaking of things that are dangerous, uh, Delta Green. Uh, so <laughs> good segue. Uh, yes, I have been reading all of the Delta Green uh, fiction. Uh, Everybody, but, make the symbol. Yeah. All of the Delta Green. Yeah. Uh, so, so far I've read four of the seven fiction books that they have out uh, in the last month. And uh, all of the real ones, be afraid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, just to give you a brief summary. First off, uh, Delta Green Strange Authorities, uh, written by John Scott Tynes, uh, one of the Delta Green co-authors. Uh, it has several of his short stories and Rules of Engagement, a novel, uh, which talks... Uh, takes place in the late 90s and deals with the Outlook Group, if you've read Delta Green, uh, also the uh, aftermath of Groversville, uh, and has a lot of interesting elements into it because they use a lot of the sort of iconic Delta Green characters like Alfonsi, uh, the leader of Delta Green, uh, and also Agent Nancy is uh, used in the novel. I know Tom would be interested in that. Uh, oh yeah, actually, uh, I, I've kind of read about what's going on with her. Yes, uh, she is a ghoul, as described in the. But she's working for Delta Green. Uh, she's retained her humanity. So uh, for she, now, for now. Uh, so she survived. So she's in uh, uh, the rules of engagement, which is getting strange authorities. Um, then I read through a glass darkly, which is kind of a sequel to Rules of Engagement, and it sets. It's written by Dennis Detwiller, the another co-writer of uh co-author of delta green and it talk it takes the events of rules of engagement and builds on them to show the changing of the guard how does majestic 12 get taken over by delta green because that is of course the premise of the new edition of delta green which is forthcoming uh don't ask me about the kickstarter i i I don't know yet uh so only glancy can answer that question actually more shane ivy and dennis at will we're only glancy no they they, they're okay anyway uh so through a glass darkly uh takes place in the late 90s early uh and yeah that's if you want to find out how Majestic Twelve goes down and how Delta Green takes over. That's the novel to read. Uh, spoiler alert! Because that's the premise of the new game. Uh, <laughs> then I've read uh, another novel by Dennis Detwiller, Detwiller uh, "Denied to the Enemy," which is a World War II novel uh, that deals with Delta Green uh, being activated, dealing with him Nazis. Uh, trying to make contact with the Deep Ones, and also another plot, the major plot. Uh, is the uh, deals with the Yithians uh, because it turns out they're jerks. Uh, they're kind of jerks. Isn't that endemic of almost every other race in Cth- and Cthulhu though? Not every other. Every. Okay. Okay, but to be fair though, well, the cats of uh, they're jerks, but they're no nowhere near as jerky as like uh, cats the Migo. Wait, you're defending cats as not being jerks? No, it's not. They're not lethal most yeah. of the time. Uh, Doesn't mean they're not jerks. Toxoplasmus. <laughs> well, especially uh, if you're, if you, well, especially if you're in Ulthar, if you pet one and give it some food. Uh, so remember. that's a great novel. I just finished that. And then also I've read uh, Tales of Failed Anatomy, a short story in anthology by Dennis Detwiller, and a f- one story by Robin Laws. And again, 
Uh, a bunch of short stories, mostly about Delta Green agents meeting their doom because <laughs> it's Delta Green. Uh, so they're all great reads. Uh, I recommend them, yeah. especially if you want to find out what the meta plot fiction uh, canon of Delta Green you should read. <laughs> Welcome to the Strange agency, son. Great. Sir, how are the retirement benefits? Awesome. <laughs> we pay for uh, fully for a casket. What? Uh, Never mind. So that so those are uh yeah it, it's great stuff so i have three more books to read uh darkest theaters alien intelligence and extraordinary renditions which has just been released uh so uh i have oh, some more reading to do <laughs> um so uh tom uh we watched a movie with kale recently that yeah yeah, should, yeah we sure did uh that you really enjoyed uh, uh of course uh aaron missed it but uh turbo kid turbo kid why don't you talk a little bit about that well it takes place in the distant year i believe 1994 post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic 1994 yeah and it's a wasteland-ish <laughs> It's very wasteland. Like yeah. everyone has bicycles. Yeah, like the private, the mode of transportation is bicycles. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's like Fury Road with bicycles. A Do they have bit. an explanation of why bicycles were the the primary because apoc- of reasons because of the apocalypse. There's yeah, no the more apocalypse. gas. Okay, well, I've seen. but they do have robots. So oh yeah, how are they powered? Uh, they, don't worry about it. Rage. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, also, Michael Ironside. He's the bad mm-hmm. guy. That's how. Yeah. Uh, and but yeah. It's about this kid that is living off by himself. Yeah. He has a tragic backstory, by the way. Oh, yeah. Totally does. Very tragic. And uh, he meets a, meets a friend. Yeah. And then in that during that adventure, falls down a hole and gets something that's totally not a power glove. <laughs> that shoots, that shoots uh, lasers. Body exploding lasers. Yeah. I love the power glove. It's so bad. It is so bad. Uh, he uh, yeah so he comes into conflict with Michael Ironside and who doesn't well because he was running a gang of jerks wastelander jerks yeah because he's Michael Ironside he hates everybody of of course water is the most precious resource on the planet oh yeah and he's actually harvesting water from people yeah because he actually has a machine where he throws bodies into it, which they are ground down and turned all, into water. All the water is extracted. So, so he he watched Dune and was immediately inspired. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I enjoyed the movie. It has a great soundtrack. Uh, it, I liked. I thought the girl was more interesting than the main character. Mm-hmm. Actually, she has more of a personality. Right, is, yeah, when you first action movie main character without a personality, I <laughs> I am shocked, gentlemen. I don't I'm, think you I are. am detecting sarcasm. For <laughs> but yeah, what I, what I love because when he first shows up, I was like, hi. You're my new friend. Yeah. Oh, a sarcasm detector. That'll be useful. Uh, yes. Um, I yeah. So it's a fun movie. Uh, it's not perfect. No, uh, I mean it's it's kind of shot deliberately so it looks like it was filmed back in like the yeah. 80, late eighties. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was filmed like was it like last year or this year? Yeah, yeah. It was last year or this year. It was released this year. A uh, very recent release. Uh, so yeah, very very entertaining. Um, and Michael Ironside plays Michael Ironside in the Michael Ironside movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's just say he's not he doesn't really play nuanced characters. He doesn't give a shit. He's you know, just like I'm fucking Michael Ironside. I'm doing you a favor by showing up here. I'll do what I want. So he's a honey badger. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> if you were Michael Ironside, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be your attitude? 
Pretty much. Exactly. So we should do a fiasco game about a little budget movie with one like old actor who's just like, yes. uh, I don't give a shit. Oh wait, do our red campaign, but with all of those, Uh, or like Hobo with a shotgun with Rucker Howard, you know, something like that. He's just like, yeah, no, I'm here doing this weird little movie for some reason, or anything with Werner Herzog. I just started watching season seven of Parks and Rec. Uh, oh, he shows up. Yeah, the and uh, yeah, the first episode. It's just a little cameo, but like, <laughs> and still, he's so amazing in Jack Reacher that makes that movie watchable. Yep, uh, something needed to because uh, it sure as shit wasn't Tom Cruise. <laughs> I don't. Tom Cruise plays a good crazy person, and Jack Reacher is clearly a crazy person. It's also true. Uh, if you read his description in the in the Wikipedia from the novels, he is a crazy person. Uh, Kids, that's what PTSD is and paranoia, like changing his clothes every two weeks. Yeah. That's that's whether they need it or not. <laughs> Apparently, but no, he like throws them away and buys new ones. That's what his character. Well, does. after two weeks, you'd have to. <laughs> Fair enough. As much running as he does. Yeah, he does do a lot of that. those things. Walked away on the run. Uh, Aaron, you could talk about uh, a show we've been watching recently, also. Oh yes, I mean, one of your heroes. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, oh, well, Fabish. No, uh, well, no, I actually, I have always had great respect for. Um, that's like uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, so, because yeah. if nothing else, I would yeah, have start- bleeped you with you nuts, it, sir. Anyways, yeah, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, he's yeah. Everybody else will remember him from yes, Star Trek fame. But also, he's a great, great actor, regardless. And he's currently on a Stars. Was it Stars? Yes, that was it? Stars yeah. with a Z. Yeah. yeah. So a Stars that production channel. called Blunt Talk, which uh, his character is, and I'm putting quote marks. You're supposed to be a. Uh, Libertarians, uh, it's like new talk show, show host, host uh, uh, like yeah. on MSNBC or something. But also, you have to realize that he is the most foppish ca- a human being on the face Character of the name earth. Is Walter Blunt. That's Walter Blunt. Blunt so that's why it's called yeah. Blunt. For a major in the Royal Marines. Yes, uh, with a manservant. Who was in the Falklands? Yeah, it was. I'm trying to remember the guy who's playing his manservant is the guy who played Ron Weasley's dad in the Harry Potter movies. Um, but who's also a degenerate? Yeah, yeah. but yeah, the, the, it literally the most drugs. All the weird sex that you can think right. of. He's that's like woken up by that's like he's woken up by uh, fighting with his manservant with kendo sticks. Right. Oh, his um, manservant reads to him at night. At night, yeah. and is always trying to get him to read the Quran. It's, so all of his all of his production staff is on. Was Cody involved in this production? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very, it's actually executive produced by Seth MacFarlane. Uh, so, uh, but it was it was it was so it's a mockumentary about his life. Uh, probably. Well, it start. Well, the main guy, creative guy behind it, is Jonathan Ames. Also did Bored to Death. Uh, if you watch that, so that is on Netflix right uh, now. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, but yeah, it's basically about the trials and tribulations of this uh, particular uh, talk train show. wreck of a human. Being. Yeah, tra- yeah, just a human train wreck and everything that he goes through trying to retain his fame and sense of dignity, which doesn't help because literally the first episode that you see, uh, he gets caught uh, caught with a transsexual prostitute. And immediately decides to defend him by beating the cops around him and standing on top of his jaguar, screaming. Screaming in uh, Shakespeare. Uh, yeah, he's screaming. He's quoting Hamlet, Hamlet as while he he's is on the top of his car. Defending this. His manservant was passed out in the back. Yeah, defending yeah. the transsexual prostitute who's running away. It's it's an it's yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah it's, like, it's, it, it's it, very entertaining. Yeah, like, it is, as, as you know, he is saying as like says, like you have a penis. Like, is that all right? Oh, that's fine. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, really? no, no, it's like, ma'am, I'm English. Yeah. And now you know everything about the crying. Game. Yes. <laughs> a lot of, uh, yeah, good one. Spoiler alert. But yeah, yeah. character wise, too, um, if you, uh, despite, you know, the extreme foppishness, it's pretty much uh, Patrick Stewart's uh, boss character from American Dad, but taken to 11, though. Yeah. So. Can you trigger warning this episode for extreme foppishness? <laughs> uh, probably. Uh, well, it's it's Bontag you definitely is. We're just describing it. We, we, yeah, yeah, so uh, the first two uh, episodes anyways, are free that, online, okay, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. That's so. a microaggression, Ross. Oh, ow. Uh, all right. Uh, so, well, you was speaking of... Yeah, I, I have a list because okay. I'm not on as often. So, yeah. You know, uh, gotta get that time. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. I have uh, to tell you about important things that I like and you by extension should like. Yeah, well, uh, well, which one do you want to talk about next? Well, okay. Yeah. Um, so, Kentucky Route Zero is a uh, video game that everyone has already heard of. But whatever, you should play it. The last two chapters will come out someday. But in the meanwhile, Ross hasn't played it yet. So if you want to play it before Ross plays the most <laughs> Ross video game that ever Rossed, uh, get on Steam and get it now and click your way through things. It's kind of like an adventure game, only it doesn't have all the parts that will make you hate adventure games. No pixel bitching. No Yay. stupid inventory puzzles. Yeah, just a lot of really great atmospheric story and clicking to walk around, and you know, nice. an old dog in a straw hat that you get to name. So nice, important things. Go uh, give it money. Yeah, I no, I've I've just been waiting for the last two episodes, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get it in the next Steam sale. All right, which all right, will, yeah, coming up. Good, uh, great, fine. Uh, and then I've got a yep. bunch of Cthulhu stuff to talk about yeah. uh, because Armitage Files is a thing that's ongoing. Uh, the one that's not directly Armitage Files related uh, is a column at the Illuminerdy website uh, that's being written by Ruth Tillman, uh, who will very shortly be a writer for Pelgrane. Probably already is a writer, but will you know be right. published sometime. Um, called the Arkham Archivist. Uh, she writes lots of neat things there. Uh, the neat thing she's writing right now is a uh, set, uh, an alternate set of icons for 13th Age. Not so much alternate as parallel, because she is uh, finding in Mythos entities an opposite number for each of the 13th Age icons. And even if I never run 13th Age, I'm just going to, you know, 13th have Age feels for yeah. having run it. Oh, I probably will run it at some yeah. point. But even, you know, if I get hit by a car on the way home and die and never run it, I'll be <laughs> wow. glad for having read these articles. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, fair enough. Grimdark. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Um, and then some books that I've been reading that are, uh, you know, somewhat important to how I've been doing Armitage. Um, yeah. So the first two are both by uh, Graham Walmsley, uh, he of the Final Revelation scenarios. Um, one Ross has shouted out to previously, it's called uh, Stealing Cthulhu. Go get it if you want to run any Cthulhu games. I've used it too. It's really yeah. useful. It's yeah. really good stuff. And like you can take just little tiny bits from it and just use that bit. And if you use one bit each scenario each game each whatever you've gotten your value out of it um second book of his that i'm shouting out to uh is much the same it's called play unsafe uh it is a book about uh improvisational game mastering um it's like eight dollars on drive through rpg and it is full of tiny nuggets of wisdom that you've probably heard before but you just really like it's more about perspective. Uh, it's very stripped down, very simple presentation 
that will get you thinking about things in, I know, ways I hadn't thought of before. Then my final shout out um, (laughs) is to another uh, drive-thru RPG book, uh, The Mythos Society Guide to New England, which I believe is from Skirmisher Press. Uh, I haven't deep dived into this yet, but my gosh, it's, you know, 148 by 11 pages of background information on New England in the interwar period. Which is when Armitage Files takes place. Yeah. So if you're going to run, you know, traditionally set kind of Cthulhu stuff and you don't know much about New England in the 30s, there. It's a book. Go get it. (laughs) Uh, Read it. (laughs) Read it, yes. Uh, Use your eyes. Absorb the knowledge. Uh, Yeah, we're not playing both. Your brain Um, is hungry. So finally, we have anecdotes. uh, And I think we have two that we could talk about. Uh, Certainly one... Uh, from Armitage Files, uh, I'd like to talk about the uh, setup to get into the yacht club. Oh, uh, oh that? yeah. Okay, I figured. I figured the uh, the neighbor's house might be the uh, the neighbor's house. Which one was that? Uh, the rural neighbor's house. Oh yeah, that one. But you guys should tell it because I've tried to tell it, and it turns out I'm not good at telling it. Uh, well, I like the yacht club because uh, that was. It was a marvel of, of we 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 didn't there. fuck up and we had to work with each other. Uh, so basically, at one point in the Armitage trial, we were trying to get into the Kingsport Yacht Club, which was members only and you male know, members, male, male yeah, members so. only. <laughs> white yeah western european yeah oh yeah remember this is set in the 30s racism folks it's super racist and sexist uh and so the thing was my character couldn't didn't want to go in because reason because (laughs) i had pointed a gun at one of the members of the yacht club for reasons uh and he might recognize me so uh, i couldn't just like I didn't want him, but he didn't know my name. So I couldn't just walk in there and be like, oh, hey, I'm Professor Banyan. I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah, I pointed a gun at you. Hey, well, that was funny, wasn't it? Hey, give me all your secrets. Wackity schmackity. <laughs> so. Hi, we're here investigating the death of Jackson Elias. Yeah. Uh, Would you care to open up your We're looking for, for cultists. Do you know any? Uh, we want to <laughs> like, kill them. Uh, I'm looking for the cultists. Yeah. Oh, well, what hotel are you staying at? I have some information I could forward to you. Uh, I'm looking for sailors. Yeah. Uh, well, you're so, in the Yacht Club. So to get in the Yacht Club, instead we decided to make up a fake identity uh, and then disguise myself so that I could go in there. Uh, you were part of this. Uh, oh, no, no. Yeah. I'll, I'll say no, uh, because I was uh, I had screwed up a stealth check when you were pointing a gun. Yeah, so you were them. you could have done it if you hadn't screwed up a stealth check. Yeah, I could have done it had I not screwed up a stealth check. So, sure. so Jason and I, sorry, yeah, yeah. so yeah, uh, Thibodeau and I were on the boat waiting yeah. for you guys to come up. Uh, but to set it up first, we had to create an identity. So I was going to be like a wealthy British aristocrat who had come to America to forget about his dead wife who died on safari in Africa. Uh, so, so and, yeah, completely a ghost in the darkness. Yeah, ghost, yeah. Or, or roar the cover story. Yeah. <laughs> and so to do that, we I spent like my character spent like two points of credit rating. Uh, then you spent a point of bargain to buy antiques to furnish his new abode. Yes, uh, and I think uh, Renee's character, who is a socialite dilettante, spent a point of something to spread gossip about this new Name eligible bat. Yep. Yeah, bachelor in town. So we spent like four investigative points just to establish my cover story, and then uh, and at that point, I couldn't really screw you over. Yeah, like. 
it's the it's the buy cool things currency of the game. If you yeah. guys were willing to invest that much, sometimes things just need to go wrong. Well, but that was the thing. We, we got <laughs> like we went in there. I was expecting secret doors, a secret society, some big thing, and it's like, oh, we got a clue that leads us to another thing. Okay. Oh, hi desk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got we got one we got like one or two clues out of the whole thing. Yeah, but that I mean, on the other hand, that was fine because you know we didn't know. Uh, that's why we had the guys with the boat with the guns waiting nearby in case we started shooting. Uh, and, and it went. Oh, swimming. all new members had to get the trepanation. You know, like oh, uh, nope. yeah, yeah. But we didn't know. So we yeah, had, we so we got yeah we got to Scott clean and Jason and I were sitting so off you're the boat. You didn't. Hey, know. did you catch anything? Yeah. Nope. Oh, got a boot. Well, <laughs> Jason's character did because he had <laughs> not, not not the former RPBR Jason. This is a different Jason. This is new Jason. Uh, so uh, just for the listeners, so they know. Um, yeah, we have a lot. He had survival or outdoorsman. So outdoorsman. He, yeah, he, he got, caught fish. He caught fish. And I'm the antiquarian on a boat. So, um, take a, there take, are old boats. Yeah, take a <laughs> take a good hard look at the old boat. So, uh, I kind of want you guys to talk a little bit though about I'm running uh, a three part game. It should end next week. Uh, uh, Knights Black Agents uh, called the Thieves Code. So bad. Yeah, uh, about art thieves and then vampires. Even loaned you double tap, and I still don't get to play. I'm sorry. I'm I'm bitter. (laughs) Uh, So face. That's a bitter face. It is very bitter. Bitter beer face. How did I know that was coming? <laughs> so I don't know. What do you guys well, like? What comes up to mind with the so far with the whole? Because uh, it's been too high so far. You've just pulled off the second highs, <laughs> but you found out there's a complication. Yes, it's a complication called vampires. Yeah, so. that's happened. I don't like. I, don't, I kind of enjoy the constant like like like. Why did you invest in like in you know this special wood like? I had blood removed from my body from a distance. It sucked out of me. So, here. yeah, we... we Remote drains a hell of a power for GMs. Um, uh, yeah, remote drains a hell of a drone. Yeah, we don't, I will not... I don't want to give away spoilers, or many spoilers, for these, since we have put these games, but uh, long and short of it is the first one, we went in there uh, not expect... Well, sorry, character-wise, not expecting anything, because yeah. we thought this was just a normal, oh, we're heisting well, some no, okay, piece of players, equipment. We knew. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, of, of course, but it's also... Not trying to metagame it. And yeah. But yeah, we go down into this, uh, we get this elaborate setup to rob this art gallery. Uh, and then we. Dur- find during an uh, evening event. Yes, yeah. during an evening event. Uh, Caleb did the great job of basically seducing the um, intern. So he no, could, he was just an employee. He so, wasn't an intern. Yeah, the, the employee, uh, the the yeah. one employee for this uh, art gallery. We got everything, and then of course, once we finish it, everything starts going to hell. As starts, everything just goes to hell. <laughs> no, we got out of the building. We were doing pretty well, said, and, and then thud. Yeah, yeah, it was just oh god, why were we doing this? What happened? Well, I think yeah, it was the woman who uh, mind controlled Caleb into crashing the car. Yes, I think that control- was when things went bad. Yeah, mind controlled <laughs> well, and then started uh, causing uh, yeah causing. She turned into birds, you know, and then yeah, like they, they do, and then caused Tom's blood to go free floating out of his mouth, which. Yeah. Defying all laws of gravity. Yeah, yeah, among other things, and yeah. physiology <laughs> and physics. Just yeah, just oh. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're doing the uh, the Broadway musical vampires defying gravity, then? Oh, yeah. That's a good so, of course, well, I think my favorite part was just like after that first mission would be called our contact. Yeah, it was a little like not quite the the exact one of the exact words, but the equivalent of the end of uh, 
from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. It's like, psychos? Like, do they look like psychos? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. <laughs> Essentially, we were just yelling at our contact. Like, you never said anything about the blood being drained from a distance. Yeah. Um, we're blood draining. And, and I, I actually but, uh, a little but bit. Also, and this, uh, yeah. sorry, the, and the last thing, I, and then she says, like, it's like, look, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's any amount of money you could make this good. Or maybe you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I actually am sad that we're past April, the April Fool's one, or we could have recorded a session for that, because I really wanted to get into that game. Hey, this is the second game of Night's Black Agents. Uh, your contact told you this was the first uh, mission, this was the test to get to the real one, and we yeah. all look, no. Yeah. We have enough money, we're doing this. Game over. I'd rather work, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is your just one last score. There's, so. a, there's a perfectly good coal mine right down the street. Yeah. Uh, um, so that's something to look forward to. I don't know when I'm going to post that. Um, Faust will be joining you, hopefully, for the next session. Uh, indeed. We will see how that happens. So uh, there's been some good banter in that. Uh, and yeah, in our oh, world yeah. Faust, too, so. So. Faust is good. Uh, yeah. And, I hope he becomes a much more regular. Yes. Uh, from Thriller Nintendo. And then, then we can all point out and we go, one of us! Yeah. One of us! <laughs> yes. Expanding uh, the RPPR network. Yay. Assimilating. So, uh yeah there we go so uh this has been RBBR episode 120 talking it out uh I'm Ross Payton I'm Tom, Tom Church Tom I'm Aaron Karsten <laughs> all right we'll and I'm Bill. talk to you guys Hi, Bill. next Bye. time hey Bill. <laughs>